We're live. <laughs> All right, hold on. <laughs> Sorry, Isaac. We were in the middle of the conversation. <clears throat> yeah, literally the last thing I said was, it is a pain in the ass, though. Pain I'm in not the sure ass. I, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea if any of that got caught up. So for anybody joining us, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the conversation. What are we talking about today, Tim? I'm sure, well, I'm sure the other thing might actually work into it, too. We were talking about sponsorships and how yeah. that whole process is actually more complex than most people think it is. We may end up there, but we're but we're starting somewhere else. We're starting with personal brand. Do you want to tee this one up? I'd be happy to tee this off. And it's funny because maybe we will work into sponsorships because I've had a lot of experience with sponsorships in building my own personal brand. And I've seen the pros and cons of all different sides of this. So, um, so all right, yeah, let, let's, let's start at the beginning. We ended last week's episode with a question with a little bit of a, a, a personal thought experiment for me. And what's happening in my life, in case you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, is I am now the 100% the owner of copyblogger.com. And it's created a bit of a paradox because as the full owner, I have all the creative rights. And now it makes a lot more sense for me to send a weekly newsletter which I have been previously sending to my personal email list, the, the email list that signed up at timstods.com, AKA my personal brand. But now it makes a lot more sense to just take that same exact work, that same exact newsletter format and send it to the copy blogger audience because it's, it's 100,000 subscribers as opposed to, to 15,000. It's, it's an emotional decision in a way because I feel like I'm letting down the people who are following me at Tim Stodds. But then it also presents some, let's call them tactical questions, where it, it presents the, the it presents the question of is a personal brand even worth it? Does it make any sense to to build a reputation around yourself personally, or does it make sense to build a company, and then your personal brand basically becomes the reputation that you have within the company? This is a very nuanced topic, and I know that people think about this a lot because I mean, I get probably three to four DMS on Twitter a day with people saying like, Hey, I want to start my own thing. I want to start my blog or my Twitter or my YouTube or whatever it is. Um, and so I think this is a really cool topic and we're just going to have an open-ended conversation about it. So, so that's enough from me. Uh, let me tee that one off to you. What, what comes to your mind, Ethan, when, when you hear me go through that whole thought process? Yeah, so I'm glad we're actually sitting down to talk about this because I recently kind of grappled with my own version of this same idea. So for people who don't know me, my I have a, like a little bit of a reputation online in the newsletter space specifically. Uh, and that's because I helped write a book about how newsletter companies work. Uh, my last job was like really heavily newsletter focused. And I'm in this fortunate position to, uh, or I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where people reach out to me probably a couple of times a week and ask if I'll um, consult on their newsletter businesses. But I'm not running my own company right now. Um, people who do follow me know that this is this podcast is pretty much the only publishing that I really do. I'm not really building a personal brand. Um, I'm helping to build another company, which is called Hampton. And so I'm an employee right now. And the last couple of months, I've thought a lot about this and wondered to myself, 
if I've made the right decision there? Should I be capitalizing on this personal brand that I've built over time? Am, am I letting it go to waste by being an employee? Uh, and, you know, to your to your point, not only like is it worth building a personal brand, but what is the real purpose of a personal brand if you have one that you're not necessarily capitalizing on at the moment? So I'm thinking about a lot of this, too, and I'm excited that we're going to sit down and kind of hash out, hash this out. I think my first question to you would be, where have you landed on this so far? So you you set it up nicely. You said it kind of makes more sense to be publishing your personal thoughts via copy blogger because the reach is so much further now. But uh, tactically, like, what are you actually doing at this point? If you look back on the last week, what have you published and where? Yes. I sent out an email on Monday to my Tim Stodd's audience. And I basically said, hey, I know you've been missing me, which I was saying kind of egotistically, but I was actually oh, really, yeah, really okay. pleased <laughs> to get like a bunch of people respond. They'd be like, oh man, like I was missing your newsletter. And, and that made me feel good, you know? Um, but so th there's, there's two parts to this question. I'm going to talk specifically about what I'm doing and then what my idea is. So specifically what I'm doing is I decided to continue with the Tim Stodd's newsletter. I told everybody in the email that I sent out on Monday that if they want that same format that I have been previously writing, they need to sign up for copy blogger because I just don't have the time and the energy to do that twice. I mean, it takes, it's hard. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of work. Um, so I basically gave everybody a warning. I shouldn't say a warning, um, an, an update. Whereas this is my personal newsletter. It's not going to be as business focused. Um, it's going to be much more curated where it'll mostly be like five things that I read that week that I think you might like, and maybe some personal insight. I'm also going to sprinkle in other interests of mine, health and fitness, like my, my training, my, my kickboxing and my Muay Thai, maybe like being a dad, um, even hiking because my wife is, my wife is a real avid hiker. So specifically that's where I landed. In terms of the business, I still created the automation for the Tim Stodd's email list to sell Copyblogger Academy. However, I positioned it a bit differently because the tagline on timstodds.com is more about creating multiple streams of income. And so I, I created different sales pages for the people that come through the list on Tim Stodd's that just position the product slightly different. It's, it's, it's not lying. I still talk about all the benefits and features. It's just the, the main positioning is a little bit different. Um, so it's quote monetizing that way. Although I think since I made the change, I only made one sale through Tim's.com. So I think there also is something to be said just about like the audience product match, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and outside of that, I'm still collecting a ton of leads for my consulting that I do. It's just, it's feeling more and more like that may not be the best use of my time. I even experimented or not experimented. I, I sent an application for some new company. What the hell is it called? Like introduction, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Intro. Where you can intro. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah where you can, where people you can, can book like a phone book your call. time. Mm -hmm. totally but even that but so because when i was doing that that was reminding me of that episode that we did about 
uh, coaching where it's like, Oh my God, you can charge a thousand dollars an hour. And like, that's a ton of money. Don't get me wrong. But realistically you can only do one or two of those a day. If you somehow book that many phone calls. And even if you do do that, the amount of money that you can make by growing an actual business is still so much, it, it exceeds that so much. And so to me that that doesn't necessarily feel worth it. Um, yeah. So I, I'll pause there specifically. I'm still sending out my newsletter. I'm still trying to sell Copyblogger Academy through it. It's not nearly as effective as Copyblogger selling Copyblogger Academy is, obviously. And after that, I have no idea. Okay. I'm glad you laid that out because the way that you said it helped confirm something that I've been thinking too. And I mentioned I've been thinking about this for a while. Here's where I've landed on it. And then I'm going to, I'll, 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 I'll say where I've landed, but then I'm going to, go up one level and talk about this from more of like a theoretical standpoint. So I'm very happy where I am as an employee. I've got no plans to leave this company and start my own thing. Um, ultimately, the reason for that is like, I really like who I'm working with right now. I like how I spend my days. And I know that I'm probably leaving money on the table at this point by not building my own company. Because as you've said, just the Potential upside from building something that you own is many, many, many times what you could hope to earn as an employee, even potentially as a freelancer. Like I, I see kind of a difference between freelancing and owning a company, and the difference is really scale. What uh, a company can scale quite a bit further beyond what you can do as a freelancer. I'm happy with that for now because I really enjoy how I'm spending my time. But this is where I've landed on the purpose of a personal brand. I think that a the purpose of a personal brand is to open doors when you want them opened. But I think in an ideal world, you would not earn money on your personal brand. You would earn money on products or brands, branded products that can scale beyond you, that can be sold, acquired by other people so and I'm, I'm not just saying like a, a product that you sell i'm saying a product business that you sell to somebody else to run that i think is sort of the i i hadn't thought about this until we sat down and had this conversation but the way it's sitting in my mind is the push and pull of personal brand and i'll dig deeper into this because i actually think that the way it really works almost like waves where at some points in your career you're more in a personal brand building mode you're publishing more you're learning more and specifically you're working to establish recognition as an expert in a certain area and the reason you're doing that is so that that brand can unlock the next opportunity but once that opportunity is available, I think really what you want to do, and this is at least this is where I, what I've decided to do, is put the personal brand almost into a holding pattern and focus more of your creative time and energy on whatever the project is at hand. Uh, either because it's a company that you own and the you know the value of that is many, many times what your personal brand could bring in. Or because it's just, you know, it's something that you you want to be a part of. In my case, it's because I, I really enjoy the company that we're building now. And I just don't want to start my own thing. Uh, outside of 
kind of the stuff that we do here or the like whatever fun publishing I do, I don't really want to earn money on my own stuff right now. And so I have some ideas about like what that holding pattern looks like, but that's the that's the high level concept that this conversation helped me unlock or the preparation for this conversation helped me unlock, which is that I think personal brand is designed to open doors, but not earn you money. You should earn money off of other things, which is like the, the doors that your brand opens, not necessarily your name and your face itself. And then I think that under the ideal circumstances, there is an ebb and flow to personal brand building where sometimes you're much more in building mode and you're growing your audience, you're building connections with the audience, you're building connections with other people in your field. And then sometimes you put that more on hold in order to focus on something that's higher leverage and is going to unlock new opportunities for you. This is hysterical. And it's hysterical because I came up with basically the same conclusion. But as I've been thinking about this for the last couple of days, I was trying to find other, I was trying to dissect the the journey of my own thinking on how I got there, because that's what most people are going through, right? They kind of start it and then they try something. It doesn't work. They try something. And then for me, I've basically ended up in this position where I'm finally able to recognize that my personal brand is just an opportunity engine. It's not a business. It's just an opportunity machine. And so oh, man, I like that. It, even before we started recording, I was writing down in my notebook, like I always do just so that we can, I, I can keep notes on the, the podcast so that I don't veer off and ramble. Like I have a terrible <laughs> habit of doing. Um, but I said, don't start at the end because I didn't want to basically kill the whole conversation by saying like, yeah, I thought about it a lot. And really what I came up with is the personal brand isn't really a business. It's just an opportunity, but I have a great example of that. And I want to talk about this example. And then I want to talk about the mental battle that can have by feeling like you're not taking advantage of something. Right. So copy blogger, has been a big journey for me. But the door that got me into Copyblogger started with two people. It started with my podcast. One of them was Daryl Vesterfelt, who I had on my podcast. Back when TimStods.com had a podcast to it, it was TimStods FM. It was my personal podcast because during COVID, what else did you do but start a podcast, right? Um, but I actually started my podcast, or excuse me, before COVID. I just got really into it during COVID. And through meeting Daryl, through an interview that I had with him on my podcast, I kept in touch with him. And then after I talked to Daryl, who at this time was a partial owner, a copy blogger, I reached out to another guy named Johnny Naster. And Johnny Naster was a guy who was part of the original copy blogger podcast network. It was called Rainmaker.fm. And I used to listen to his podcast every week. I always looked forward to it. His podcast was called Hack the Entrepreneur. And he was another one of those guys that I kind of looked up to from like afar. And then I asked him if he would be on my podcast. And he said, yes. And that relationship I built with him, eventually I called him a week later because on the podcast, he said, my next business move is I'm going to start different affiliate sites. And I was at the gym. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let me see if this will work. And so I texted Johnny and I said, hey, I really loved your idea about affiliate sites. Like, would you be against me just putting money into it? like paying for the whole thing and you building it. And that's how we started LSAT Clarity. And then with LSAT Clarity, 
we made the relationship and I saw how skilled he was with SEO. And so when this coffee blogger deal came together, I had somebody to approach to build digital commerce, which is now like the huge money-making entity that is attached to copy blogger. And so all of those little steps, the next conversation, the next conversation that brought me to where I am now, it all started just because I had a personal audience through my podcast that somebody said like, yeah, sure, I'll come on your show. And without that, like, who knows, none of this might've happened. I'm going to actually stop there because I'll talk about the little mental battle that has been happening for me. But, but before I do, I, I want to hear that bounce off of you. I think that's such a cool example. And you're reminding me of something that we've seen. Uh, I saw back when I was working at a company called TopTal too. So for people who haven't heard of it, TopTal is like a talent network where you could go and hire software developers or uh, designers, that kind of thing. It's a freelance network. And I helped manage their community in North America. And one of the questions that we had a really tough time answering back then was, why would anybody be part of this platform in the U.S.? Because as a top tier developer in the U.S., you could easily go get a job earning three hundred to $500,000 a year with stock options and benefits and all kinds of stuff like that. Why would you go freelance? And what we found was that a lot of people we're actually using freelancing as a stepping stone to something else in their career. And so this wasn't true all over the world. In other parts of the world, freelancing was like a full-time long-term engagement that people use because they could earn a lot more doing that. But in the US, people dip in and out of it. And I thought that was so interesting because what it for a few reasons. One, when you are the freelancer and you're using it in that way as a, a to catapult you to your next thing um i think it makes some of the challenges of freelancing a little bit more tolerable whereas if you struggle like if you if you go through the whole freelancing process it's funny that we opened this with a conversation on like it's a pain in the ass it's a pain in the ass like freelancing's a pain in the ass too and um if sometimes if you're in the thick of it and you're looking at this like oh my god why did i ever do this why didn't i just keep my job it can be a lot easier to look at this and say, well, I'm actually using this as a stepping stone to the next more stable thing, right? So mentally, embracing that ebb and flow of freelancing versus work or personal brand versus company building, uh, I think can help make the whole journey a lot more sustainable, which is just going to set you up for more success in the long term. Um, but the other thing that I just wanted to point out about what you said was like what I'm hearing is that you basically started experimenting with this personal brand thing and it opened a door and then you walked through that door, but you didn't do it under your personal brand. You built a business. And then at some point down the road, the connections that you made initially through the personal brand building and then uh, subsequently through building the business open the next door. And I think that's a really good gateway to talk about like what does this time look like when you put the personal brand on the back burner for a little bit? Like what what does maintenance mode actually look like on personal brand because what's interesting is you built the business but your personal brand didn't disappear yeah. in the meantime. So what do you like what do you think it looks like to effectively maintain 
a personal brand when it's not actually the business. It's just an opportunity. How do you how do you feed and care for an opportunity engine? The first step is to address the mental tug of war that anybody's going to have where they think, do I turn this into a business? Because you could do coaching, personal coaching. You could do courses. Um, I mean, I don't know, you, speaking, right? Like the, the whole speaker circuit is usually people that have a, a personal site. And I'm, I'm talking strictly from experience here because, I mean, you know me pretty well, Ethan, and you know I'm the kind of guy that little thoughts like this just fester in my mind. And it's taken years, really, like years to get to the point where it's like, okay, you know what? Not everything I do has to have a profit and loss sheet. Um, I'm very, very happy with doing a weekly newsletter that sells sponsorships. As of right now, it's an extra um, like 2200 bucks a month, right? And it's, it's a newsletter that I love to write. So that sounds awesome. But to, to answer, well, I'm going to answer your question directly in two ways. One, for me, I think the answer to maintenance mode is to keep the engine humming constantly and you don't redline it and you don't turn the car off. So you just, I just keep chipping away at it. And that's just kind of my style. You know, I'm, I'm a real chip away at stuff kind of person. And I, I, I couldn't see there being a whole lot of benefit to taking my foot off the gas because once I start it back up again, I'm not actually going to be starting where I left off. I'm going to be behind. It's kind of like, like standing on an escalator, you know, you, you have to walk up it because entropy is, is sort of naturally pushing you back down. So as soon as you take your stop motion, you don't, you don't stop in the middle of the escalator. Like the escalator is going to push you back down to the bottom. Um, so I, I don't see there being like a maintenance program, but I definitely see there being sprints where there have certainly been times where I was maybe looking for a new opportunity or maybe um, I had Stasi and all that stuff running in super maintenance mode. And I think to myself, you know what? I wonder what else is out there. And so from that standpoint, I'm really network, I'm networking. I'm sending cold DMs. I'm, I mean, even just before we started this podcast, I was telling you about a cold DM with somebody that, that you and I are talking to, to, to try to see if we can blow the podcast up a little bit. And so I see it much more that way. It's, there's like a constant hum in the personal brand building. And then when an opportunity arises, you sprint and like you get after it. And if it works great, if it doesn't work, then you just fall back to the hum and you let the thing keep riding. I love the analogy of standing still on an escalator. <laughs> yeah, That's a good one. That really is a good one uh, because, you know, if you think about it, and by the way, I guess for people, I'm sure somebody didn't get it, but like, it's like standing still on an up escalator or on a heading up a down, down escalator. escalator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there is going to be way. that person. It's like, oh, what if you're standing still on yeah, an up escalator? If you escalator, stand still, it will like, just deliver yeah. you to where you're supposed to go. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do on an escalator. But no, in order to in order to stand still on an escalator moving the wrong direction. I, I love that because you you basically you move at the speed of the escalator, yeah. which is that's your that's your hum. That's your maintenance mode. And then every once in a while, in order to progress a little further up, you put the extra effort in and you move faster. And I really think I I think that's 
a great analogy for exactly what we're talking about here. We're saying that, like, if you choose to be in this game, you'll always maintain some level of personal brand. I mean, that used to just be called a resume, right? Like, you were always just kind of doing stuff. And now the resume is this thing that we're calling personal brand. But it's like, you know, sharing your ideas in public, experimenting with things. That's kind of the base level, meeting people. Um, in fact, I, I, I wanted to tap into something that you mentioned earlier. Uh, I'll get there in a second. So your, your base level is, I think those three things, publishing on a cadence that is, um, sustainable for you, given your current workload and fun. That's something I'm struggling with. We'll have to dig a little bit deeper on what that actually means, but it's like publishing. It's a learning got to be learning new things and then you got to be meeting new people in the arena and just kind of like always talking to new people. But all that has to happen at a cadence that's sustainable because like you said, if you take your foot off the gas completely, uh, either because you're bored or you're overwhelmed or something like that, you end up further back than you would have been otherwise. Um, as part of that maintenance mode, I wanted to double click on something that you said earlier, which is that you took your personal newsletter and you started introducing things that you're just interested in that aren't necessarily related to the one specific topic that you built that audience around, but you're bringing in other things. And I think this is a really important thing to incorporate into the conversation of maintenance mode for personal brand. If your personal brand is designed to open doors, I think a lot of those doors are not going to be doors that you knew you wanted opened when you set out to build it. Like for me, I've said my career has kind of been built around newsletters. But the funny part is when I was first assigned the project of writing this guide to newsletters, I thought it was a dumb idea. I didn't even think we should do it. We were debating between two different products. And I was like, we have way more data to suggest the second product. Um, I was outvoted and then basically set to work on this thing. And it's ended up kind of making a career for me over the last few years. So in a lot of ways, you don't know what the door is that's going to be opened. And that's why I think that concept of not only maintenance mode at a, as a level that's sustainable, but introducing like things that you're interested in when you're in maintenance mode. I think you you loosen the reins a little bit. You talk about all the things that you're curious about. And then eventually, I think something hits. And, you know, once you've already got momentum behind a brand, um, I, I'm still kind of new to to this aspect of it, but just kind of observing people in this space, it really feels like you're able to be much more directionally purposeful in terms of what the next thing is. So like, let's say I wanted to start my own thing. I could probably sit down now. And if I had an idea of what I wanted to start, chart a much clearer path towards that because I've already got a little bit of an audience and I like I know people in the industry and it's just easier once you've kind of already gotten started but there is a part of me that still thinks that that um what would you call it it's like that surprise element is still there where if you're just sharing kind of what you're curious about and what you're interested in there's the possibility that it opens a door and three years from now you're doing something completely different that you couldn't have planned but you got the opportunity because you were willing to share it. So I really like that. That was, I guess, a long way of saying, I like those two things that you said. I really like the, the concept of the escalator. And I think people would do good to sear that image into their mind. And then what you said about just kind of loosening the reins a little bit and being able to share what you're interested in. I think it's super important. 
Um, what else do you think goes into maintenance mode? Like, like practically speaking, what, what are you doing or what do you think people should be doing? And, oh, let me give you a follow-up question. Cool. What do you think the minimum publication cadence is in order to keep things going? You know, every time I think there's a minimum cadence, I think about, ah, uh, shit, help me out here. The guy that did Y, y Combinator, he's got the worst website in the Paul history Graham. of the world. Yeah, Paul Graham, exactly. He, he publishes like once a year, if that. And then all of a sudden he writes something and everybody freaks out. And you go to his, I mean, it is the worst website I have ever seen in my entire life. It's terrible. But I don't know. He's just, he has a reputation to where people pay attention to what it is that he has to say. So I, I think that, I think it's, it's like reverse correlated where once you just get, that kind of f u money or even in this case we'll call it an f u reputation you can do whatever you want right uh, but in order to get there um for me weekly is pretty good i think weekly is pretty good and you know i used to think that was too much um and i i don't mean to call her out by any means i, I got nothing but but respect and love for amanda but my friend uh, amanda natividad she started doing her newsletter bi-weekly and I remember thinking the last, it was about a month and a half ago, I remember thinking to myself that uh, I kind of, I, I didn't get that same excitement when I saw it just because it sort of fell out of my, my it, was, it, was, it wasn't on my radar, you know? So those are my own personal experiences. There's not any data to back them. It's just what I've noticed. And so with that being said, I think once a week is good. I think twice a week is kind of perfect. There's something about the, Tuesday and Friday cadence, if we're speaking specifically about email, that I think works really, really well. Um, for me, I'm fine with once a week. And so, okay, so I answered that, but then let's also talk about the idea of variety and about keeping it a little bit random and writing whatever you're interested in because you never know what the world is going to bring to you, right? And that I have found truly has been one of the hardest, the hardest things because you, you feel like you are this person that has this particular knowledge and like you are serving your audience with this particular thing. And, and I, I want to pretend like I'm not emotional to it, but I really, really noticed where when I was writing just random essays, and this is actually why I put my my random personal writing on my Substack, because I, I was seeing the unsubscribes that I would get when I would write about, you know, my hikes and about Muay Thai, where people feel comfortable knowing exactly what the expectations are. And so as much as I like the idea of that, there is another side of me that also feels that there's it's a double-edged sword because as limiting as it feels to, you know, brand yourself, like even when you say it, I think of like a, a cow getting branded, right? Like I'm not a cattle. I'm a, I'm a person. I don't need somebody to, to brand me, but even still, if you want, if you want your effort to pay off, the best way to do that is to become like an expert in a certain thing. So I, I basically presented like a whole bunch of non-answers in the last five no. minutes, but that is why this is so difficult, I think, to to figure out. 
I think those were good answers, actually. So, I mean, some of those were concrete. You said for you, personal cadence, minimum cadence is once a week, once or twice a week feels good. You've personally noticed as a user the feeling that comes when you see somebody else's cadence drop off. And I think there's something interesting yeah. there, too, because it, it's funny you mentioned Paul Graham. It, his site is literally up on my computer right now. And for the exact same reason, he's the one who comes to mind for me when I think of somebody who's built and sustained a really interesting personal brand over time. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder how much of that feeling that you experienced is because two weeks is too long versus um, it is easier to ramp up publication than to, than to wind it down. Cause, and this is something that I, I try to warn people about when they start a newsletter. Cause people, uh, some people are real gung ho and they want to do a daily newsletter. In fact, funny enough, Danny Miranda started this way. I don't know what he's doing these days, but he he started off with a like a weekly newsletter. Then he ramped it up to daily. And I told him, I'm like, don't do daily because you can always ramp up later yeah. if you start daily and then you wind down. It just seems like something's not working, even if things are going great. I haven't checked in on his newsletter recently. But I, in our interview, I actually walked back that statement and said that he proved me wrong because he he kept it up. He went daily because he just had so much to say, like he couldn't not write daily. So he's a good example of how you can ramp up. But I'm always very cautious about people who want to publish a lot every single week because it's it's a lot it's a lot a lot a lot of work to to maintain that, and it's always better to incrementally give your audience more than it would be to yeah. start out really fast and then wind it down. Um, so I think you gave a lot of really good answers in there. I want to, I want to give an opinion on the cadence thing too, which is, I actually think because of all the things that we've talked about here so far, the most important thing we've said is, or what you've said is, is, for me, blank feels good. Um, I think about Tim from Wait But Why. Like, how often does he publish? It's it's super rare as well. Yeah. But he's trained his entire audience to expect that. In fact, I've always loved his headline or the subhead to his websites. It's like new articles every sometimes. <laughs> and this was... That's right. Yeah, and he came out, and 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 it's a direct play on this promise that so many media brands have, where it's like, oh, we're gonna give you the whatever the the the, the morning briefing that you need or the once a week briefing that you need. His out of the gate was like, yeah, sometimes I publish stuff, and you should check it out when I do. Steph Smith does the same thing through her personal newsletter. These are all very successful people, and so I think for me, they're great examples or great reminders of the fact that. Pretty much any cadence is fine as long as it's sustainable and you're setting the right expectations with your audience. Because if you miss the cadence or you slow it down, that's when it starts to feel like there's a disconnect between what they signed up for and what you're getting or what you're offering. Um, Sahil Bloom was also another early example of that for me because he grew this massive Twitter following. And in the early days, he posted twice a week on Twitter. And that's a that's a platform where everybody tells you you have to be posting every single day. You should post two to three times a day and you should comment for 15 minutes. Everybody has all these rules, but the only real rule is you need to teach your audience. When I say something, it's valuable 
and then like give them an expectation that they can count on. I think everything else is is pretty much just bullshit. I want to touch on one other thing related to the escalator thing too. This is something that I've grappled with and I've I think I've just come to peace with, but if you're in maintenance mode, like let's say okay, I'll just say for me. I have a reputation in newsletters. I was a little bit earlier to that. I never founded a newsletter, but I worked for one of the earliest newsletter companies. And by the time we wrote our book, newsletters were just catching on, right? So I was one of the first voices that was really talking about how to build newsletter businesses. Now I'm just not anymore. There are other people in this space and they're doing an incredible job reporting on newsletters. Some people aren't, but there are definitely multiple people who are. I mean, I'm thinking of Chanel. I'm thinking of Matt McGeary uh, to, to just name two. Who else? Chris Orzakowski, who's been on the show. They do an incredible job talking about it. And I grappled with that for a little while of like this feeling that like, oh, no, I'm getting replaced. And maybe I should start something now because I'm worried that other people are going to like unseat me in the industry or they're going to go past me. That was kind of the word that like kept ringing in my in my ears. And where I've where I've ultimately landed on it is. I think that's kind of a loser mentality, to be honest. I think if you're doing what you should be doing, which is continuing to learn and continuing to experiment in your field uh, and keeping the maintenance mode going on your own publishing and sharing what you what you've learned, other people will come up to join you in your space by like doing exactly the same thing, sharing their own insights. But you're never going to lose you're never going to like become irrelevant, right? The only way you become irrelevant is by stopping sharing or by having like getting jealous or something like that. Right. So um, that was ultimately the insight that allowed me to be comfortable staying in my job because I was like, I mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to go out on my own, start a company building what newsletters. That's exactly what I'm doing at work except I'm doing it with one of the most interesting teams I've ever worked with on one of the most interesting companies I've ever worked with. Why would you leave that? Right? So I had to get comfortable with this idea that like you share the space with other people and the way to stay relevant is not to like create some moat or try to hold other people out. It's to continue learning and keep building those bridges to other people. And actually I'm really proud of the way that we've done this. Like we've helped, um, shine a spotlight on a lot of creators on this show who do an incredible job of what they do. To me, that's just way more rewarding than being known as one person in my field. And I think this concept that like your personal brand opens doors, but it shouldn't earn you money or it's, it's a, an opportunity engine, not a business, such a helpful framework for continuing to like uh, solidify that mindset. So all that to say, um, People will rise up to join you in whatever field you're known you're known in. And it's important that you realize that because it's one of the things nobody ever talks about when they talk about building a brand. But know that if it's happening, it's like a natural thing. And what you're what you're it should I think it should be seen as a good thing because it shows that your field is in demand. There's other people that you can like network with and learn from and build cool shit with. Um, but nobody ever talks about that. Totally agree. It's making me want to know something 
about your decisions. And I'm a little nervous because I, I'm not by any means trying to call you out here. But like, with all of that being said, how come you still decided not to publish some of your own ideas and your own thoughts? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm, I'm starting again. So there actually is writing that goes up on my blog about the conversations that I had. I just published something the other day about a chat that I had with one of the guys who helped grow. What? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if you just type in ethanbrooks.com, it should take you right there. So is I do publish. It ethanbrooks.com? It's not the- I um... think so. I'm not sure if the redirect is actually working right now. But I, but um, the the real answer to your question is, for a long time, this podcast was the only place I was really sharing insights. And it was yeah. because I was a little bit overloaded with just the number of commitments I'd taken on. Those are finally settling in and I've made a commitment to myself that I'm I'm just not going to get that busy again. I have priorities. I want to stick to them. For me, that is my physical health, which I'm trying to learn to prioritize as number one. And that means like taking time away from work to go build that and work on that. Yeah. Um, the, my mission at work and then my my personal like learning and publishing and stuff like that. Um, so it's starting, but it, it's been a it's been a process for me, honestly. And I think also part of it was making the decision to stay because maybe you grappled with this too when you were partial owner at Copy Blogger. There is always kind of this division of like, should I be dumping all my time into A or B? And if I'm doing A, is B still worth it? Or am I undercutting myself somehow? There's a lot of hesitation that comes from just not having made a decision. And then as soon as I just decide like this is, I'm all in on this and I'll continue to publish at the cadence that feels good to me, which I'm trying to get. Um, basically I, I think like once a week would be really good for me. Um, I'm headed on a vacation now, which is actually why we're recording early, but I'm going to use that time to kind of like crank the engine and get that cadence going. But making the decision, I think, has been the clarifying step that's just made it all easier. Yeah. It's like uh it's like in the matrix, right? Like you can never see past the decisions that you don't make. I think about that a lot because of how powerful making decisions is. And then just saying, I'm doing this and I'm not gonna second guess the outcome. And then I'm gonna be able to at least see past it. So I totally re relate with you there. Um man, so 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 where do we take this ultimately? So personal brand, yes or no? Is it is it worth it? My answer is absolutely, but you got to know what you're actually investing in. You're investing yeah. in, and I like your phrase here, an opportunity engine, not a business. Yeah. yeah. So hard to be cool with that because, I, I, again, I'll speak on my experience. One thing that I lack is just faith that doing the right thing creates the right outcome. I heard a definition once, like what the, the definition of faith is, is understanding that what you do today will have an outcome in the future, regardless if it's good or bad. Like basically what you, your actions have consequences and faith is just understanding that those consequences are still coming, even if you haven't seen them yet. And it's so hard for me to have faith in the fact that the work I'm doing now that doesn't have an instant result, right? Like I, I don't, I don't see if this article got this many hits. I don't see 
how many emails it got. Well, I do, but there's not like a business result attached to it, I think is the point that I'm trying to make. It's it's difficult for me to continue investing in that thing with some unforeseen opportunity that as of right now is invisible. But I, I really, really think, I 100% think that that is what makes a personal brand worth doing is just the having faith that this is going to turn into something, even though I don't know what it is yet. And that's hard, but super important. I think there's a good lesson there too, for people who listened to the full episode, which is that even though a lot of your success has been built on that truth, the fact that you, your personal brand led to this thing in an unexpected way, it's still hard. And wow. so I think there's something there, which is like, you never get to a place where it's easy to just accept that either. And you should always expect that tension too. There's one more thing I wanted to make a quick note of about that period where you're, where you're building, where your personal brand is kind of on um, maintenance mode. And I was thinking about this. I was like, what is the trick to making that period valuable for whatever the next phase of your personal brand building is basically like, how do you make sure that you're not moving backwards on the escalator? We've meant we've um, talked about a few things in terms of publishing or meeting people, but there's another, which I think is looking to the work that you do daily for like value add in the future. And I forget who said this, but somebody had a really good, catchphrase he said something like everyone's got a hundred thousand dollar product sitting in their google drive and the idea there is like the things that you're doing every single day in your job are things that other people want to know how to do and they want and they would pay for and like you've got some template somewhere you've got some sheet somewhere you've got something that you're using on a regular basis that is a sellable product and i think if you go into these build periods with that in mind and realize that like a lot of the nitty gritty of what you're doing is actually going to be a valuable skill that you can convey to other people down the line. It makes it easier to put that personal brand in maintenance mode and focus on the work at hand. Agree. Totally agree. Totally. Um, yeah, man, what a cool episode. I didn't expect this to be so, you know, you go into these things thinking like, Oh, I already know everything. I just have to recite it for people to listen to. This was really um, I felt like I learned a lot, not just about what I'm doing, but about what I could do. And I hope vice versa for you in talking about this. So th- this was really cool, man. Like this was super enlightening. Same, same. I also learned, I think we're going to need to do a merch shop with your slogans on t-shirts, man. There's so many good, <laughs> so many good one-liners that come out of these conversations. So for everybody who listened up, uh, thanks for tuning in. Let us know which of Tim's one-liners you want on a t-shirt <laughs> and, uh, we will see you next week. All right, everyone. See you later.